Listening Dog Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Coffee Coloured Kids, an original production from Matt May Productions and Listening Dog Media, starring Trevor Dwyer Lynch and Julia Hayworth. Written by Trevor Dwyer Lynch, produced and directed by Paul Ludden. She never told me. She never told me she loved me. I don't know why. Was it because she didn't? I loved her. Did I not live up to her expectations? Did I let her down? If so, why didn't she say? She never told me she loved me. Not on my birthday, not at Christmas, not on my wedding day, not ever. Why was it the thing she couldn't say? No attempt, no indication, not a stammer. She never told me she loved me. It pained me. It confused me. It's, it's all I ever wanted to say on a wet, windy day. Walking in the sun, barefoot in the sand. When I was going away, when I returned, she never told me she loved me. Those three immortal words, unconditional words, spiritual words, words of intense meaning, protective words, words that ring in your ears. Was it because I ruined her life? She never told me she loved me. And now I'll never hear her say, I love you, son. Rest in peace, man. This is a timeless record. It's amazing, isn't it? How we remember great songs. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, what I want you to do, as we discussed before, is just talk. I'll record you and any questions I've got, I'll interject, okay? <laughs> yes, uh, sure. But I can rabbit, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't want much and chat to people. My time is spent with my daughter, so when I do, <laughs> you, you'll have to stop me. <laughs> no, trust me, it's okay. 
the more we get recorded, the better it is for me to play around with. So you just carry on. All the other people I've interviewed have done exactly the same thing. Don't worry. Okay. Um, so is that right? Your book's going to be called Coffee Coloured Kids? That's right. That's why I wanted you to see the video. To see if you remembered it in its message. The book's going to be about the trials and tribulations of mothers who had mixed race or dual heritage kids. They were pioneers of cross-cultured love. I'm starting now, so you just carry on. Forget the recorders there. Just be natural. <laughs> uh, oh, okay then. Um, well, um, for a start, I can't believe it's 2033. And both the England men and women's football teams have won the World Cup. That's unbelievable. What's even more unbelievable, the players from both teams who scored the winning goals are black. Yeah, you heard me. Black. Well, it's obvious to you as a white journalist in the England men's striker Rufus Blissett case because he looks black. Because he's got black skin. But in Tia Lynch... The England women's striker's case, she doesn't look black. Although she is. She's what black people would term as light skin. Do you know that? I did, yeah, but only after having spoken to mixed race people. Well, from all the paper talk, majority of white people didn't recognise her as black until she was interviewed with her father after scoring the goal in the semi-final against Brazil to put us through to the final. The England men's team have numerous black players, but the fact all the England women's team appeared to be white, it was a shock for the fans nationally, I suppose. <laughs> when I watched the replay on the TV, T was asked by the commentator, who was the man stood next to her? Is he your security? He asked. Tia proudly proclaimed, well, you might call him that, seeing that he's protected me since I was born. This man is my dad. Your dad, the commentator replied, surprised, and gave the man a strange look. Before Tia's dad could say anything, the camera was switched to the euphoric crowd singing, England, England, England. Then when the camera went back on Tia, her dad was out of shock. You worked that out. Why do you think it was a shock? See, it's all about genetics. Let me break it down for you. So, you've got a black cup of coffee. You add a little milk. What happens? The coffee changes colour, but it's still dark. You add more milk and the coffee gets lighter. You add all the milk and the coffee becomes a white coffee for all intended purposes. Fundamentally, it's still black, but just looks different. How many people knew Ryan Giggs was black? Did you? I'm ashamed to admit only after I did my homework. When a friend of mine told me, you're right, he doesn't look black. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. The same morons who shout racist abuse and cried when all those years ago players took the knee, only to cheer today when a black man and woman wins them the World Cup. Fucking idiots, if you ask me. 
So you wanted me to talk about my mum specifically? Yeah, for the first part, and then tomorrow we can talk about your experience. I hope you don't mind. It's just a mad coincidence that when I mentioned my book to my mate Arthur, who works in your mailroom, he said that you've got a white mum. So it fit in brilliantly with my research, if, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, right, my mum. Well, you can imagine the shit she had to endure back in the 50s, 50s, 60s, 70s. She was from tough working class stock. Her dad was a tough, strict Salfordian who worked on the docks. Her mum was strict, but flexible until you stepped out of line. Then you know about it and you didn't mess with my gran. The true matriarch. <laughs> my mum apparently was very quiet and never went out. Despite her workmates every week trying to coax her to go with them into town. They all went to the Ritz Ballroom on a Saturday night, dancing. To tell my mum stories of the blokes they'd fancy, and that there was even some darkies in there. The white lads were happy if they saw white women dancing with the darkies, and it led to a few scuffles. Dancing. She loved dancing, my mum. Best dancer out of all her mates. So when she finally made the step to go to the Ritz with her workmates one night, she was mesmerized by the darkies, who were by far the best dancers in the place. She said they had rhythm. And when one of them asked her to dance, she was hesitant, scared, but egged on by her mates thought, it's only a dance, no harm, no harm. Three weeks later, when she got home from work, her younger brother, John, a local little hard nut, had heard about his sister from a mate he'd bumped into in the local pub, who'd been in the Ritz that night and gloated in telling him about my mum. As soon as she walked through the door, he leapt at her and slapped her across the face and said, if I hear you've been dancing with those coons again, you'll get worse. Her dad just looked at her and said, that'll teach you. Her mum. Shook a red. It wasn't mentioned again. My mum didn't go out again socialising for months. She spent hours in a bedroom with a record player and an imaginary dance partner. The next time she went out was to a wedding reception union with one of the Irish girls she worked with. Imagine a surprise when she went into the church hall where the reception was being held to see a mixed crowd of black and white people drinking, dancing and laughing together. Mary, a mate from work, had married a black man, but never told anyone. My mum said a few had been invited, walked out as soon as they walked in. They weren't having that. Whilst dancing with the mates, they were joined on the dance floor by a group of blokes, black and white. My future dad being one of them. He manoeuvred himself next to my mum to dance with her. Scared to death in case someone went back and told her brother on her, she sat quickly back down. For months, my dad continued to send messages via Mary at work to ask my mum to go out with him. Obviously scared of my granddad and uncle, she flatly refused. She could never get seen out in public with a black man. She started to go back to the Ritz and despite being asked, never danced with any black men. My dad was there watching her from the edge of the dance floor, but they never acknowledged one another. My mum and her mates would go into town and get the last bus back to Odsall Lane in Salford 
They all lived within one street of each other. One night, my mum tells me, she said, good night to the girls. Waited till he was got round the corner. Then surprise, surprise, she ran over Woden's Forward Bridge, which went over the River Irwell, joining Hume and Salford. She'd secretly capitulated to my dad's messages and arranged to meet him at a party where Mary and her husband was going to. Naively feeling safe from prying eyes, no one she knew would be going there. And so it began. She'd tell the girls she was staying in and tell her mum and dad she was going out. How she got away with it, I'll never know. She played hide and seek, waiting for him to pick her up. A white woman getting into a black man's car in them days was labelled one word, prostitute. They would go to the many parties in Shabines, late night drinking dens, spread over human moss side, run by Jamaicans and Irish immigrants. The game of hide and seek went on for 12 months. Then she became pregnant. Imagine the terror she faced in her mind having to tell her dad, my granddad, a big six foot two ex-forces boxer born and bred Salfordian. No messing with him. She brought shame and humiliation onto the family. John wouldn't speak to her. Her sisters were shocked. Her mum upset, but had to support her husband's decision. That was the times. There's only one outcome. She was kicked out. My dad lived with his sisters in a big Victorian house in Mosside. So my mum and him shacked up together in his bedroom. Not ideal, but functional. I was born on the 17th of June, 1958 in Withington Hospital. My gran, my mum's mum, was concerned about her bringing a baby up in a bedsit and pleaded for her to come back home, tell my mum, don't bleed and worry about your dad. I'll sort him out. Her being all a five foot. <laughs> my dad hadn't been the dutiful boyfriend whilst my mum was pregnant, staying indoors, cooking and cleaning, to which his infidelity months later caught up with him. And despite him pleading he'd never do it again, my mum took my grand's offer and left him to return home to Salford. Despite the foster reception at first from my dad on my mum's return, my granddad put his prejudices aside and embraced me. He endured me, took me everywhere to show me off. Not many would say anything disparaging to John Smith, not to his face anyway, reference his black grandchild. And those that were brave enough to, well, <laughs> I heard you bring me home or tell me mum to take me home. And the bloke who commented, would be taking his words back, literally. Back down his throat after a scrap in the back entry, courtesy of a sulfid kiss from my granddad, otherwise known as a headbutt, followed up by a flurry of punches. My mum told me when I was a teenager, how many times whilst walking along the streets or past pubs, the hateful racist comments would ring out. Nigger lover, is that a monkey in your pram? Drown your half-caste brat in the air, well. Vote Enoch Powell! She would drop her head and run with me in the pram, scared with tears rolling down her face, back to my grand's house for sanctuary. Your kid's a mongrel! Ringing in her ears. 
for the next three years, she just went back and forth to work whilst my grand minded me. My mum wasn't very happy. Despite having the support of her family, she, she felt alone and isolated. What had she done? She'd ruined her life. Or did I unwittingly ruin it? She never told me she loved me. My auntie tells me that one day she came home sobbing from work because while she was on the bus, the conductor was chatting to her and her mates. He was overheard by some blokes asking my mum and her mate to the local pub for a drink with his, with his mate that night. One of the blokes listening shouted, I won't bother with her, mate. She's fought goods. The other pipes out, yeah, you've got the wrong colour, cock. My mum got up and ran downstairs and jumped off. Buses didn't have passenger doors on them. She fell and the bloke shouted through the windows laughing. <laughs> Saves you right, nigger lover. My mum convinced herself that no one would want her. She was spoilt goods to white men. And she got baggage. And that baggage was, as you say, a coffee-coloured kid. Me. She did marry, but she jumped out the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, she married a black man, but that's another story. By the way, the girl who scored the winner for England, Tia Lynch, that's my daughter. What you need is a great big melting pot. The pod play.